Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, 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 it's Joseph, and this is Exposed Dragged Out. It's a podcast where I, Joseph Shepard, talk to individuals who may or may not have been on a RuPaul's Drag Race franchise. Now, guys, I am so excited to be going into the vault and bringing you a podcast version of an interview of a classic Exposed. Now, before we even get started, I would just like to say, I always get very excited to do these intros, and I always love being like, and I'm Joseph Shepard, and today, blah, 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 to the point where my friends and stuff now make fun of me for it. So um, do you guys like the intro? Give me some reassuring comments in my email, um, draggedoutpod at gmail.com. Anyway, today's episode, we are chatting with the one and only Blair St. Clair. I also say one and only quite a bit, but that's okay. Blair has truly been an amazing friend to me. Even afterwards, I have a music video coming up for my first single that I'm very excited about. And Blair is doing one of the wigs for it. Hey, hey, so cool. She truly is such a light. Um, and she's very, very, very creative. If you saw her on All Stars and you saw her on her season, you know that she was great at what she does. But her in the hair department and wigs and just being so proactive in everything that she does, truly a talent. So sit back, buckle up, and listen to this amazing episode of Expose the Classics with Blair St. Clair. She was introduced to many of us on season 10 of RuPaul's Drag Race. Her, her face beat to the gods. She ended up having a number one album on the Billboard Dance and Electronics charts. She came back to All Stars 5 currently, where she fell in love with Hannibal Lecter. And she also has an upcoming clothing line, wig line, and everything and more. Her name's Blair St. Clair, and she's about to be exposed virtually. Hey, hey. Hey, I do declare. Ow, ow. So guys, just to let you know, um, Blair and I ended up shooting an interview probably about a month ago before she was announced on All Stars, before she came out with her wigs, before she ended up coming out with her clothing line, with all that stuff. So we're doing the interview over. But if you want to see the original unedited interview that we took a month ago, head over to my Patreon and you can see that below. So Blair, let's get into your life. Are you ready? Uh, I was born ready. <laughs> so born and raised in indianapolis indiana um going back to your childhood 
What were you like as a child? As a kid, I was a little all over the place because I was definitely, my parents always described me as like super, super happy. I was always really happy, really healthy, really energetic, really fun. Never really had a care in the world. I was like a really good kid, but I was a total worry ward. That's something that I was like, everyone will say growing up that I was a total worry ward. And um, growing up in Indianapolis, a lot of people have this misconception thinking that it's just big cornfields. Everyone's like a total country bumpkin. And I love to poke fun at that as much as the next person. But honestly, like Indianapolis, the city itself was really industrial. It was really, it's pretty progressive. It's pretty liberal. And so for me, like my growing up and like who I was as a little kid was not the stereotypical version of what probably people think of just growing up, you know, on a farm and with super conservative parents and craziness. But uh, life was good. And you said that you were a worry wart. What were things that you were like worrying about? Because I feel like I was in the same boat. Oh my gosh, everything. Anything and everything I worried about. Every single time I remember, like as a kid, every time my mom would leave the house, I would always say, I love you, mom. Bye. And the only, I don't think I ever really told anyone why I would do that. But like what I always did was like, if anything ever happened to my mom or my dad or whoever left, I always wanted them to know that, I guess it's kind of selfish for myself. Like if anything happened to them, I wanted them to know that I love them, that, you know, they were loved and they were taken care of. And as a little kid in my brain, I thought, I want them to know, you know, I, I never want anything to go unsaid. But I mean, now looking back at it, it was kind of selfish because I mean, if something happened to them, them knowing that I loved them was for my own kind of like feeling good about it. So uh, that I, I worried about everything. When was the first time that you remember as however old you were actually being like, you know what? I think something might be a little bit different in me. I think that I might like boys. Oh my gosh. So this is super embarrassing because it's become a little bit of like a family joke because there's this boy and I don't know if he'll ever see this, he'll ever watch this, he'll ever hear of this or even know that I do drag or know who I am today. But there was this boy in my fourth grade class and I remember his name was Tyler. And we would sit around in a circle and we would talk about what we'd read in class, usually like with like reading and writing and stuff like that. And I remember always looking at him and it's not that in my brain that I registered, oh, he's cute or he's attractive, but it was in my brain that I got excited. And I remember like being really, really, really excited. And I remember we would always like um, have to be in line. Obviously, if you're going to the bathroom, you're going out to recess or whatever. I mean, I was in fourth grade. I'm, I've only gotten to sixth now. And um, so it hasn't been too long for me. But in fourth grade, I remember I always wanted to be behind him in line. And I always like want, waited for him to like bend over because I wanted to look at his butt. Always. And I never knew anything of it. I always thought it was like kind of normal, like maybe like, Maybe there's nothing like weird, different, or out of the norm. And then it really hit a chord with me because we went to a Pacers game. And that's like the big basketball game for my family. Went to a Pacers game, I think it was like fifth or sixth grade. And my dad was asking me which one of the cheerleaders that I thought might have been really pretty or thought was cute. And I honestly like looked up and down the cheerleaders and I was like, am I supposed to think one of them's like a knockout or something? And I just told him what I thought he wanted to hear. I was like, oh, the blonde one. Like, wow, she's beautiful. And what I thought in my brain was, I was like, oh, her hair looks so gorgeous. I was like, I love that blonde hair. And that was like one of the first moments that I really remember looking back, thinking, hmm, am I supposed to like, like these girls? Like, think they're super pretty? Because I did think they were pretty, but I also kind of wanted to look like them. Isn't that so bizarre, like, looking back on that and being like, wow, like, like you said, like, you know, oh, they're pretty, like, you know, but am yeah. I supposed to like that? So you, you end up taking the pretty and you do get inspired by the pretty, you end up doing drag. 
when did you first have your first show ever? My first drag show, well, there's two answers. My first time doing drag was in high school. We had a spirit week and the theme was pop princess or, or something like that or rock star or something. And for homecoming week, we could like really dress up all the time. So I wanted to dress up like Britney Spears. So I went in my little party city wig and I thought that I would look fly. I still have teachers to this day that love to post the side by side of that photo from homecoming spirit week to what I look like today. And they love to be like, I knew her when, which is like super, super cute, but also super humiliating because I'm like, oh my gosh, please, like, let's just not talk about that, that, that ever happened. But I was that brave soul that went to high school in drag. But my first performance, I was uh, in a musical. I was not at a club. That was my, in a club was my first like drag performance as Blair St. Clair doing drag there. But my first performance like in the full geesh was I was cast in a musical called The Kaja Fall. And it was a, a show that they were putting on when I was in college in our community. And I was just like, I wanted to stay busy. I was kind of lost. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Uh, but, I, but I've always performed my entire life. So I auditioned for this musical, not knowing what it was about. And I get a call back and they're like, hey, can you come back tomorrow and drag? And I was like, oh, like that show. I was like, oh my gosh, I know what you're talking about. Like that show, that RuPaul show. And uh, so I looked up like how to do drag drag, not just like me trying to move like Britney Spears in high school, but what that meant. And that was like the first time I got cast in the show, got cast in the musical on my first performance. Do you think that if you would not have been in that musical that you would still be in drag today? I don't know. I really don't. The thing for me was originally I wanted to be a musical theater major and I auditioned all around the country. I got accepted to a lot of amazing schools and I picked one that I thought was really great for me and a professor there. And I talk about this professor all the time, but I don't remember his name and I wish I did. But this professor, uh, this professor sat down with me and was like, Hey, I just want to let you know that I think you're really talented. And honestly, you know, you were accepted to this school based on your merits and your talent and everything, but you do look really, really young and you might, gain a great education in school here for musical theater, whether that be like, you know, singing and dancing and acting. And you might not have a whole lot graduating on your resume to go into the real world as a musical theater major would. And I thought about that and I was like, you know what, that is really true. Like, I, who knows, like, let's say I could be the most talented for a role, but may not get it because I may not look the part. And that's happened to me a million times, whether it's been my acting type or it's been because someone else looked more of the part than I did. And I was like, okay, I'm really at peace with that. So that's why I decided to actually drop that major and go to school for cosmetology school. So who knows if I ever would have even started doing drag professionally if it hadn't been for the fact of leaving school to no longer pursue a four-year college degree in musical theater, to then going to cosmetology school, to then auditioning for this musical to be a drag queen. Like, I just never even knew those pieces would have been connected. Wow. So, so they were connected. You end up doing drag, and then I know that you tweeted, you said your first time in drag in public was in 2013 at the BOTS tour, and you said that Willem told you that you were beautiful. Yes. <laughs> and then you said, looking back, I know she was lying. Uh, so, so what do you, what was that moment like to be told by another drag queen, oh, you know what, you're beautiful? Okay, so I guess maybe I have a little bit of my, my timeline maybe slightly like backwards because, I mean, I'm always trying to think back to those days. So I do remember going to, that was my first time out in public in like drag drag. And this, so for people like watching now and kind of confused, high school did like cosplay drag of me being Britney Spears. 
after high school, I graduated. Then I went to the Battle of the Seasons tour, having watched um, an episode or two of Drag Race, not being a Drag Race fan. I was not a Drag Race fan at this point in time. I went with my friend who was a Drag Race fan and was like, oh my gosh, come dress as like, you know, a drag queen. And I was like, oh my gosh, okay, I will. And then after that, then I did the musical and then I started doing drag professionally. So if people are curious as to like how those dates were, um, that was the first time I was in like public doing what I thought was like my drag persona. And I remember meeting Willem and I honestly, I didn't know who Willem was at the time, but I knew that she was on a TV show and she was like important. And she, I thought she was stunning and I wanted to meet her. So I met her and I took a photo with her. And obviously like, I'm feeling like my total oats. Also my brunette, my brunette fantasy oats. Like I'm a total blonde. So the fact that I, uh, I digress, but here I am like as this brunette and Willem tells me that I'm beautiful. And I was like, Oh my gosh. I was like, I was like telling my friend, her name is Grace. I was like, that drag queen that you love her name, that w William girl. And she's like, no, it's Willem. I was like, oh, okay. Well, she told me I was beautiful. And she's like, oh, that's awesome. And I never forgot that moment of just feeling my oats and then having it validated by someone else telling me like, you're beautiful. And now looking back at it, I'm like, okay, Willem was totally lying, but she could totally tell that I was like feeling myself and she wanted to just encourage me. And I just think that's just, it's just really special. Like I always think back to that moment of, I probably, I looked at Boston mess, but I felt beautiful and someone who I thought had some sort of importance and knew what they were talking about, even not really knowing who Willem truly was, telling me that I was beautiful, kind of validating that was really special. That's really cute. Did you, when you end up being in the musical after that, did you, you get into drag? When did the name come up? When did Blair St. Clair end up becoming a thing? The name was the hardest part. And most people probably think that's the easiest part, but I wanted something that was kind of like a, double syllable at first because my legal name is Andrew, but I go by Drew. So to all the people out there that think they're my biggest fan that come up to me in the meet and greet line, like, hi, Andrew, one, that's not cute. And B, if you really know me, I don't go by Andrew, I go by Drew. And um, so I wanted something that was like DD because like Marilyn Monroe was MM. So I really wanted something that was like DD. So my first drag name was Daphne Duval. And I hate that name. Like thinking back to it, I'm like, it's so tacky and like weird and I don't even know like it sounds like Daffy Duck it doesn't even sound like Daphne but so so I originally was Daphne Duval and I like fully felt like all of her and um I knew it just wasn't right and I was watching Gossip Girl and kind of like on a binge and I was like oh my gosh this name Blair is just so freaking cute she's like feisty and she's sweet and like everyone wants to be here and everyone wants to know her and she's kind of like rich so I love the name Blair but I didn't know what to pair it with and I'm on the treadmill one day. I'm running by the gym. My mom calls me like a hundred times. I'm like, oh my gosh, what the hell? Like, what, what do you need? And so like, I get off the treadmill. I'm like, hey mom, like I'm, I'm busy. Like, is everything okay? And she's like, I just passed St. Clair Street downtown. And this is downtown Indianapolis where I'm from. And I'm like, okay, so like, what's the thesis? Like, what? She's like, no, that name you're talking about, that Blair name. What about Blair St. Clair? And I was like, that's it. It has to be Blair St. Clair. And ever since then, there's been no turning back. Wow. I actually love that story. And that's really cool yeah. that your mom was involved too in your whole name process. Yeah. I hadn't really even talked necessarily about really, truly wanting to do drag. But I just said, I was like, you know, if I ever do this drag thing professionally or like ever want to do it more so than being in the Casual Fall, that musical that I've been in, I want a name. And she's like, yeah, that's a good idea. Like definitely you need a good one. And I just said that I had in passing, like the name Blair. Like, it wasn't even a full discussion. But the fact that she remembered it and then thought of me it was, it, it, it's really sweet. 
So you end up taking the name Blair St. Clair. You end up being a drag persona now. And then what led you to auditioning for RuPaul's Drag Race? Uh, some people know this and some don't. I auditioned for season nine of Drag Race. And I did not get cast. And I knew that I probably wasn't going to get cast. I honestly did not audition thinking like, oh my gosh, I'm the most sickening bitch in the world. Like I'm going to get in the show and win. I, I did it because I was like, I'm the sickening, I'm sickening, but like, I'm not ready yet. So in my brain, I was like, I just want to go through the process of auditioning to know exactly what to do for season 10. So I put in this tape, it was terrible. And um, from that day, I was like, okay, now I know exactly what goes into the audition process. I'm going to be ready for season 10. So I put, I like every single performance from that day to the day they announced the season 10 auditions. I record everything. I think about who I'm going to do for Snatch Game. I think about uh, every little detail. What would I wear for my entrance? What would I wear for the finale? What was, what's my best drag? Like, what are reoccurring runway themes? Like, I start thinking about all this stuff and get everything together. I put my season 10 audition tape in, and I was like, I am ready. I was like, I'm probably not going to get I won't get cast. Like, I mean, there's tons of Instagram famous girls that deserve to be on the show, but uh, I would love to be on the show. I think I have what it takes, and I can't wait to do it. So I audition, still thinking that I'm that bitch, like I'm super sickening, but I probably won't get called. And then I get this phone call. And I'm like, oh, oh my gosh, I'm casting the show. But really what that meant was when I got that phone call was you're in the process of the first preliminary rounds of being cast. So there's this viral video somewhere of me and I'm leaving the mall and I'm with two friends and they knew that I had, had auditioned. I sent in a videotape and I'm like on the phone. And I'm like, I just got cast on Drag Race. And at that point in time in my brain, I thought I had. And yes, I did end up getting cast on the show, but I really hadn't officially been cast on the show at that point. I just thought I had. I just knew that I had to go through like a background check and all that stuff. And I was like, oh, I'll pass. Like, that's great. And it was just like this, this crazy moment of like, wow, this is all happening so quickly. And I'm going to be on Drag Race. It was kind of like this, I would love to be on Drag Race too. Oh shit, I'm going to be on Drag Race. This huge shift moment. <laughs> Wow. But but you end up getting on. Also, I want to ask you before, you said that you did your original, the season nine tape. Have you looked back at that recently? Oh, girl, I've looked at the season nine tape and the 10 tape. They were both terrible. They were both terrible. How I got cast on season 10, oh, I could never tell you. Honestly, and sure, there are the haters in the comments that are going to be like, oh my gosh, sis, totally agree. But like, honestly, I really, really don't know. I look back, they, they were, they were something. But they had, but, but I'll tell you what, they did have like a, the genuine quality of like who I am. Like, honestly, I think that's what got me cast on the show. I was just really real. I wasn't trying to be something that I thought people wanted to see. I was just, I was just kind of like, I'm just happy to be here. And, you know, luckily the idea of a small town city kid with like really big dreams and hopes of being on Drag Race was something that they were interested in. Well, you end up getting cast and before it's even shown on the television and while you were filming Drag Race before the cast list was out, your mugshot ends up on TMZ. Uh, yeah. And all about like, you know, that you were missing a trial for a DUI to go to Drag Race and all this stuff ended up coming out. And I remember I was like sitting at home and I was like, who is this? This, this isn't a Drag Race contestant. And then I was like, oh, like current season they're technically filming now. What what in the world was going through your mind? When did you find out? And how did that affect you? Uh, so I've talked about this a little bit. Some people know a little bit more about the story than others. So who, who don't know, I'll catch up to speed. And 
I auditioned for Drag Race March, like the beginning of March, I believe. And right of 2017. And right after that audition, I got arrested for a DUI. So that's not something that I'm proud of, but it's something that's part of my past. It's definitely shaped who I am. Learned a lot of life lessons since. And so I'm not one of those people that's like, oh my gosh, like, just forgive me for it. No, I totally broke the law. Learned a lot of lessons from it. It shaped me as a human being. I would never want to do it again. But honestly, looking back, like it happened and I'm not happy it happened, but I'm happy that I learned from what happened. And that's not something that came back on my background check to me on Drag Race because obviously I never lied about it. They asked like, hey, did this happen? I was like, yep, sure did. And it just happened like right after I auditioned. So that's like what happens if you audition, you send in a videotape by auditioning, they go through checking your background, they check, they take you to a doctor to check your psyche and make sure that you're like psychologically fit to go on a reality television show. And then now what they're doing is they're actually sending you to a doctor to make sure you're physically fit as well, which didn't happen to me on my season. But um, this was all happening after the fact. So this has already happened. And so I'm legally able to go film the show. Everything is good. But I'm filming the show. And while I'm filming the show, it comes out that obviously I'm not going to my regular gigs. You know, I'm, I'm not seen in public. No one knows where I am. So people are putting two and two together thinking, okay, like, Blair's probably filming Drag Race. And I still to this day do not know who leaked this story to TMZ. Part of me would love to know, but part of me also is kind of like, you know, it's already happened. It's past. Like, I don't want to bring it back up and relive those moments in my life. But someone sold TMZ a story saying, like, I was filming Drag Race and I wasn't legally allowed to, which they knew everything that was going on. So there's that. But I remember I get eliminated from Drag Race and the day that I come home, the TMZ story drops out. It, the TMZ story just like drops on the internet. I mean, and I was already processing and going through like all these emotions of like, hey, I wasn't good enough. I didn't win. Like all these thoughts going through my head of like, you know, I talked about my sexual assault on the show. Like all these like really deep feelings are flowing in my brain. And then I opened my phone for the first time in weeks, mind you. And there is this viral story that, TMZ released and it's being picked up on major networks and all over the place talking about reality television star, you know, not legally able to film show and like all this stuff. And I'm just like, what is happening? Like, this is not what I signed up for. And then like, yeah, like, it was what I signed up for. I signed up to be critiqued by the world on the internet, but I had no idea that it would happen this quickly and it would happen so negatively. And what I was most upset about was I was thinking, I was like, oh my gosh, A, this is a lie. And B, so many people are going to prejudge me before they even get to know me or even know that I'm officially on this show. And my character is slandered before I can even prove to people like who I am. And that was like the worst thing. Plus getting, you know, obviously eliminated on top of it. It was probably some of the darkest times. Like uh, it was, it was really, really rough. Well, you, you also mentioned in that whole story and like dealing with everything, you know, you are going through so many emotions, especially since you just were eliminated. You end up seeing this on TMZ and literally the day that you were eliminated on the show, you end up opening up that, you know, of your um, sexual assault and your rape like during college. My first sexual experience, I was um, raped at a college party. And from that, I looked to find uh, pretty things. Something I need to get over, but um, I've tried to turn positive 
the best I can. And what led you to actually talking about that on national television and being able to speak up about it? Because I know that that is an extremely difficult time for anybody to even like openly say, like what led you to that? <sighs> that is just, it, the entire process was just, I almost, I almost don't remember it fully. There's parts of it that I don't, but there's parts of it that I do. But I will say to anyone who's never filmed reality television, they call it reality television because there's always cameras around you. You become in this environment that you forget that it's all there. I know that sounds crazy to someone who's never lived through it, but you do forget that those cameras are there. You feel like you're having a genuine conversation with someone and you forget that it's being captured and people will see it later in life. So there's that element of me talking about it. I never thought that, oh yeah, people are going to hear about this. But I also, part of me doesn't remember ever talking about it. So I went through like so many emotions actually watching myself talk about it because that was like a completely different experience for me because I remember in the moment what was happening on that stage and I don't blame things on edits on Drag Race. I, blame, I don't blame, I just explain. And what happens is there's a lot of content that's filmed and they have to cut and only show so much to make sure it makes sense in the short period of time that they have on air. So what was happening on the stage that people didn't see was the judges were like really asking me like, well, what are you talking about? Like, well, what's bothering you? Well, why is that bothering you? And why do you feel this way? And they were really pushing at the point of me talking about like, it was like, hey, there's been a lot of things in my past that have been kind of dark. I like to brighten those things with lightness, with frilliness, with things that bring me joy that I think are really delicate and soft and are happy. And they were just kind of kept pushing us to why. And they weren't doing this maliciously. You know, I will say they weren't like pushing to get the tea because I had never even talked um, to my story producer, who are people you talk to before going to film the show about like your background, like, who are you? What's about, you know, what are you about? Um, and they asked you some of your deepest and darkest moments because those things just so happened to be brought up on TV. I never even talked about this with them. And I just kind of blurted out. I was like, you know, the reason this is happening is because like I was sexually assaulted. And like, this is my way of kind of like reclaiming that in my aesthetic, my drag's way of doing that. And I, I tell people all the time, because this question has been asked a lot, you know, why not? Why then? Why was that the right time to talk about it? And I think that there's kind of like this disconnect with your brain and your heart. And when there are certain, there are certain topics that your brain not, might not be ready to speak. It might not know that you're ready, but your heart is. And your heart is just ready to talk and it's ready to get it out. And that's those moments when you kind of black out and you kind of forget being there because you just speak. And I wasn't defending myself of saying like, oh, you should keep me because this has happened to me in my life. I knew I was going home that day. I absolutely knew I was going home. And I was so content with it. Because, and if you would ask me, like, do you think it, you were robbed or it was your time to go? Oh, no, girl, like, I was, it was my time to go. But I just remember, what I do remember is I remember them kind of like harping at me. And I remember just kind of like feeling this internal like rubber band snap. And I was just like, you want to know? Okay, like, I'll let you know. But I don't want you to know. And it was one of those moments of like, I don't want to tell people how I'm feeling, but I feel this need to explain. And I just kind of like spoke and it just kind of all came out. And I remember afterward, I didn't really even remember exactly what I said. And a producer pulled me aside and they're like, you're going into Untucked now. And that just happened. The other girls don't know what happened. You kind of have to catch them up to speed a little bit. Because if you're super anxious and upset, they're not going to understand. And I was like, oh, what did I say? 
And they were like, well, do you remember? And I was in a very, very raw, shocked state because I had talked to a few friends before filming Drag Race that some things had happened to me in my past that I wasn't really ready to talk about. But for me, the act of sex itself was very scary. And that's all they really knew. And they knew that it wasn't necessarily something that was my choice of those acts. But I had never like fully admitted and said out loud, like, I have been sexually assaulted because I was so afraid to say it out loud, like that that was going to A, make it true, and B, for the longest time, I felt so guilty for it. I thought it was my fault. And that entire process of doing this on TV was really difficult to go through. And then the harder part of all of it, I was at Roscoe's, I was at a viewing party, I knew it was coming, I was watching it, and it was my elimination day. And I was watching on the screen. And not only did I have to like go through those emotions and um, experience them in my life, then talk about them on the show, then spend months festering in my brain of like wondering like, what, what exactly was said? Like, I don't remember, like, did I say, talk about details? Did I like, I, I don't really remember. Like, and it was kind of scaring me. I was like, I don't know what I'm ready to watch. I didn't care about what people thought. I just didn't know what I was ready to watch. And then sitting there, I had to watch myself go through pain again and to talk about it. That was really probably harder than actually talking to judges. I didn't care what people in the world thought. I didn't care if they liked me, if they didn't like me, if they liked my drag, if they didn't like my drag. I didn't care about any of that. I just wanted people to see me for who I really was. And I really was hoping they wouldn't watch that and think less of me. And I spent a few months after it came out on TV thinking like, wow, people are going to think that I'm this really weak individual person because I went through these traumatic moments and there were a lot of things and I was just like, I can't think about these other people. And then on top of that, there was a Drag Race alumni who made comments about me that were fairly negative and in really bad taste that had said like, oh, Blair only said that on TV, you know, like she landed up in the bottom and had some sort of like sob story. And I was like, you know, there's no need to even defend this because like I know the truth and that's all that really matters. Sometimes like, you know, when you see those people online that are really defending themselves, it's like, well, girl, if you're really upset about it, maybe there's some truth to the matter. But it was one of those moments when people were like, why aren't you defending yourself? Why aren't you saying anything about it? And I'm just like, I don't want to reopen those feelings. You're not the person who had to go through that, okay? Like, I, I just don't want to feel that again. I just want to keep moving on, keep living, keep going. And uh, I question sometimes and I ask myself, was the experience itself more difficult going through that experience or actually watching myself physically on a camera screen talking about that pain, knowing that the whole world is going to watch? And I still don't know that answer, but I can tell you it is something that has been very difficult to process. But I've taken a lot of time because I think it's very healthy to see therapists, taking a lot of time with therapists, taking a lot of time with friends, with family, to really do me. And I think that there was this kind of like internal switch that said like, look, these things don't define you anymore. They're a part of you. And you were a victim for so, so long. And now it's time to be a survivor. And I was in survival mode 
but I hadn't started to act like the noun, like a survivor. And I really was like, I want to get strong for me, but I want to get strong for so many people that I know I relate to. And there was this internal like switch. It was like, okay, the aesthetic, it's always kind of masked who I was. We are going to reinvent that. You know, the person inside, I'm going to start reinventing me. I'm going to start really finding who I am and stop living this victimhood, this, this life of like feeling sorry for myself. I want to start taking ownership of who I am presently. And that's when I feel like the true Blair was really born. And so, you know, like going on to All-Stars 5 is so exciting for me because I feel like it's the first time I get to share with the world who I really am instead of trying to cover up the things about myself that were so painful. So I know that's a really long answer to your question, but that's kind of like my process of what has happened with revealing all those things about me on national TV. I, I can't imagine even saying anything like that on national TV. And we, we've discussed before, um, you were one of, if not the main reason that led me to speak out about my experience to my friends and to my family and to actually open up. Because I think that especially in our world and our LGBT world, there's so many things that happen to us, whether it's when we're young or when we're growing up and we're told this isn't right and this isn't wrong. And then you have certain things. And when a sexual assault or a rape or anything like that ends up happening, you kind of like compact it and you put it on the inside of you and you tell yourself, oh, you, you know what? Like, it, it's okay. It's okay. It, it, like you said, like, it's me. It's me. It's me. Like, you know, I did something wrong. And you try to normalize it. But mm-hmm. it's not normal. And until you say those words out loud and you take a moment and you like, say it, then you can start the healing process. And I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for speaking out because I feel like if you did this to me, you probably allowed for more other people to be able to see like, hey, like I can speak out about these things too. Um, But it's such a difficult and sticky road. And also when you have people who are fellow drag queens that you may look up to and they're coming at you and saying like, oh, you're just doing that for a storyline sex like rape and sexual harassment sexual assault is not a thing to be joked with like you know we're not a comedy routine from 1967 and anything's on the table like those are things you don't joke with because it probably did make you feel on the inside like ugh, like like is this how other people are actually feeling about me and like i know that that probably hurts you like hell and you know i but i commend you so much for saying that like i hope that if there's anything that you get out of this. I hope that you've been able to heal. Like you said, you've been talking to therapists and that's what, you know, I've done too. And I think that that's, you know, if anybody's watching this and you have had, you know, something in your past, like see a therapist, talk to people, talk to friends, talk to somebody that's close to you. Like at the end of the day, you may be scared, but they will help to understand you. Absolutely. I I completely agree. Like for me, I was in that place of like self guilt for so long because my specific story, and I don't want to get into details for people that may be watching and maybe triggering or upsetting, but um, was under the influence of alcohol. And that was my choice. No one drugged me to, to drink and be drunk, you know, at a party. But um, what it led to was a series of events where I said no, and things still happened. And um, I blame myself for, for such a long time. Because I, I, I said, well, that was, you know, I brought that upon myself. And... Um, I think that was probably the self-loathing, the self, 
inflict the feeling of like self-inflicted pain was almost even harder to grasp. And so many people ask like all the time, and I'll even make jokes on the on the internet saying like, "Oh my gosh, like I hate what the you know the world says about me and stuff like that." But honestly, it is much much more difficult to read a comment about yourself written by yourself in your own brain than it ever is to read a comment that someone else on the internet writes about you. Because someone else could write on this interview right now a hundred terrible things about me. They sting. They always sting. But they're not me. They don't know they don't know me. Now if I'm writing a comment about myself to myself in my head, that's the hardest sting. And that was where I had to like it wasn't until like actually verbalizing and saying out loud what happened until any of my healing actually started to begin. And I didn't, I didn't heal overnight. I'm still not healed. I don't think I ever will be. I think I'm always continuing to heal, but I credit drag race to being my saving grace. There are things that I see all the time on the internet that I may be like, Oh, drag race played this up or whatever, like hardy har har about like, certain storylines or whatever. But the truth of the matter is that if it weren't for RuPaul to create a TV show, that then cast me on it, I may never have been able to start healing as a human being. And I'll always be very grateful for that. That's deep. It, it's, it, it goes deep. Switching gears in a little bit positive light, you know, in June of 2018, you put your heart and soul into something that was, you know, call my life. Um, yeah. And you end up releasing that. You end up being like the first drag queen ever to have like a number one on a billboard chart. It's 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 a very exciting time for you. So how did that feel? And what was it like putting together that body of work? And in that moment, something that is personal to you and that you're writing and doing, like seeing, oh, people are buying, people are liking, people are listening. Okay, well, first, 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 thank you very much. I That experience was just crazy for me. Um, with releasing Call My Life and uh, co-writing it. But I do want to say, like on the record, that there have been other queens that have gone to number one with singles on uh, different Billboard uh, charts. Billboard, most people think of as like, oh, Ariana Grande and Lady Gaga are number one on the chart. That's the pop chart. There's also dance chart, comedy chart, folk. There are so many different types of charts where you can do what's called charting by moving up and down. And that's a, based on like streams and listens and, and people buying music and stuff like that. And there have been other queens, um, I think RuPaul even included, that have had singles that have gone to, to number one. I believe that I had the first number one album, like meaning the full project itself on the dance chart, which is obviously super exciting, but I didn't write or release it with that intention. And I know a lot of musicians do, like they think like, oh, I'm going to put this out because it has to top my last project. But honestly, I have always wanted to release music and I've never necessarily wanted to be like the biggest pop star in the world, but I love creating music. And I created Now or Never, which was a single that came out the day after I was eliminated on Drag Race. And that was just to, just to kind of like speak about like where I am in life. You know, you just saw me eliminated the night before, but I was eliminated in real life months before. So it was really well received that I've created the entire album, Call My Life. And I was like, okay, well, I guess we'll do an album. And I like released the album with just like, I hope people like it. And then I get a call after the, like the button was clicked, like release 
10 minutes later, I get a call saying you're number one on Billboard. And I was like, what? And they're like, yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, like that is so cool. And I am working on a new album right now and it's being released into the world at the moment. And I'll be honest with you, like if it goes to number one again on any chart, that's awesome. But I, it's not the number one goal in mind. It's just that I love creating music and I feel like music has been my sort of therapy. I feel like it's been kind of like my way of putting my heart and soul into words that people can sing along to and get to know me a little bit more on a deeper but still fun level. You, you said your other album, which is coming out very soon, and you're releasing like a track a week, and yeah. it's called Identity. So my question for you is, is this album all about your identity? It is. So <laughs> as, as deep as it may sound, it's actually very surface level. Uh, I, I struggled for the longest time trying to title this album. And there are nine, yeah, there are nine tracks in the album. And I was like, I don't know what this is called. I was like, I don't know. And I was like, it's me. It's just supposed to be about me. And I was like, it's my identity. It's, it's who's made me who I am today. So the album identity is being released week at a time. So every single week, there is a new episode of All Stars on TV. There's a new single that comes out weekly. And it's like a new piece of my puzzle. And uh, if you pre-save the album, you get a new single weekly. But if you, and, and if you don't pre-save the album, at the end of All Stars, like after the finale and everything's been said and done, the full album will be available. Ah, it's exciting. And speaking of All Stars, so the year is right now, we're in 2020. You're announced as being on All Stars, number five. You walk into the workroom. Today, I see myself as a strong bitch. She's always looking wet. <laughs> That's what your man said last night. <laughs> and let me just say, your confidence was like through the roof. You were like, I'm really good, I'm good. Like, it was a complete night and day from like quiet and like simple and like, you know, put together Blair from season 10 to All Stars 5. Like, what do you think led to that and what gave you that confidence boost? Can I tell you what it was? It wasn't even confidence. It was just fun. That's what it was. I woke up, like, I had been planning for All Stars 5 for a very long time. And I've done many interviews where I've said, I don't know if I'll ever do it. And I was like so sick of saying that. I was like, yes, bitch, I'm going to freaking do it. Um, I was like, I, got, I have something to prove. And it was not to prove to anyone in the world. I was like, I wanted to prove it to myself that, that I could go back and do it and enjoy it as myself. Because I felt like on season 10, I was not, I hadn't really learned who I was yet. So I really, I wanted to do, it, I feel like All Stars for me is my first season. I get that it's not, totally get it. I've been there and done it before. But for me, it's like the first season, like really being me. And the whole prep up to it, I just had so much fun with it. I knew what I wanted to do. I mean, before they even called me and said like, hey, do you want to do All Stars 5? I had my entrance look. I had my finale look ready. I had... Um, a Snatch Game character already and a look like I had everything you could possibly think that you may need besides the specifics already to go. And I remember the day I woke up, I got into makeup. We're filming the very first episode um, of All Stars 5 and I'm walking into the workroom and you say confidence, but I say like, I just walked in and I was like, I'm going to have so much fun today. And that's all it was. It was like, I'm not going to think about, there's going to be elimination. I'm not going to think about that. I'm not going to think about what we're going to do today. It was literally, I'm just going to walk in and I'm going to feel my oats. I'm going to serve it to the camera and I'm just going to have a lot of fun. And I think 
that may be the key for me to what confidence is, is if I believe in it, I'm having fun with it. That's all that really matters. And I think it'll shine through. Well, I'm so excited to see what is up in store for the rest of All Stars with you. Um, wishing you all the luck, even though you already did it. Just going to push that forward. So let's get talking about all these business ventures that are happening with Blair. Like, what <laughs> in the world is going on? We have Hair by Blair. We have um, your Blair wear. You have you saying that you eventually want to have a salon. Let's, let's go mm -hmm. one by one. Hair by Blair. Hair by Blair originally started as my idea before quarantine. I just got very, very lucky that I started a business right before I wasn't allowed to leave my house, which was creating wigs. I've always, I mean, I went to cosmetology school, so I know how to do hair and makeup and everything. And I've always wanted to come out with my own wig line. And there are so many amazing and creative synthetic wig stylists out there in the world. And I was like, well, you know, I, I color hair and I cut hair and I make hair and I know how to like ventilate wigs. And I used to work in wig departments for theaters. And I was like, so I was like, I'm going to create my own wig line. So I created my own business called Blair Saint Hair originally. And then I thought about it and I was like, you know, anyone who may not know who I am, but stumbles across my business may have no idea what the pun means at all, which is not very mar marketable at all. So I was like, okay, so we're going to have to change it to like hair by Blair. Because obviously if you've never heard of me, that just means, okay, well, someone named Blair is doing hair. Easy. And it still rhymes. It's so great. So I, I created my own business of um, creating luxury, luxury brand wigs for, you know, ev everyday wig wearers or whoever you may be. And that honestly has been my new income now that we're in, living in this digital world, which has been really great. And I've thought about possibly something I've always wanted to do is open up my own salon. So that could also be on the horizon. I would love to open up my own salon in Washington, D.C., where I'm based right now. And um, I also created my own fashion small capsule line, which is called Blairwear. It's very street, very comfortable and affordable, just kind of almost loungewear that you can wear. And I wanted people to be able to support me in a brand setting without it having to be just like a photo of my face on their chest. Because I know like I've gone to family functions or the club and I'm like, I just don't really want to wear a cartoon image. Like I want to wear something that I feel I could wear or maybe where to like my boyfriend's parents' house and them have no idea and just be like, oh, that's cool. Where'd you get that? Like what store? And so I created my own mini capsule line with Dan Polyak, who was actually Shay boyfriend. He's a graphic designer. And the two of us sat down and I was like, look, this is my vision. How can we make it come to life? Because I don't do graphic work, but I have the design in my brain. So we created like different textiles. We created different logos, different um, brand branding, like, like um, uh, emblems, all sorts of different things. And each week of All Stars, you get a new single of mine, but you also get a new um, merch piece, which has something to do with the episode that happened from All Stars, but also you get a new piece of my Blairwear line too. Yes! I, I love it. I love that you're like taking, you know, your drag into different aspects. Like first the wigs, now the clothing. Like, and I think it's a very smart thing. I also think it's very smart that you're doing like drops, you know, every single week of All Stars. Mm -hmm. um, what inspires you behind that type of stuff? I'm a really creative person by nature. I love creating, whether it's hair or makeup or clothing. So I really just wanted something, and it's not necessarily about like, oh, what's gonna sell? It's more of like, what can I put out in the world that would make me excited? And it originally started with, I wanna wear something that has my brand on it. How can I make that? And then it was like, oh, well, I guess this could go into like a collection. I guess people could wear it. And before the pandemic, I actually had planned a photo shoot 
to use models of all different um, ethnicities and cultural backgrounds and sizes to portray and do like a really big shoot of the line, but like that really wasn't able to happen with Blairware, which is fine. Um, so maybe again in the future, but I just become really creative. I, I don't really know how, but visually I start seeing things and I'm just like, oh, how can I make this happen? Or how can I make this come to life? And just kind of like, it's, it's like this really random thought bubble that just explodes. I, I think it's also really telling that you keep saying that it's something that you get excited for. You said, I said confidence about All Stars 5. And you said, no, like it was me being excited about being there and having a good time. Same thing with your wigs and your hair. Like I'm excited about doing this. This is something I love. Everything that you're doing in, and you saying too, like would I wear this? Would I do this? I think that that's a big thing too. And that's very telling. And I think that that's where success comes from too. You got to want to wear it. You got to want to do it. You got to want to like, be the embodiment of it. And like you said, would I wear this? Would I, you know, that's... Well, I think about people like Tara Banks and Heidi Klum who were huge supermodels. I mean, they still are. But they decided to transition their career of print work modeling to more of an everyday... Well, what's the next step for them? You know, like what, what, what else can they do? Tara created a TV show. You know, Heidi's in a million things, including Project Runway. And I was like, okay, well, I'm not Tyra Banks or Heidi Klum. But what? Can, how can I use the same aspect of... I'm not going to be on Drag Race forever. Now that I'm on All Stars, there's no other show for drag queens to really go back onto. And I continue to audition every single day as, a, as I am a working actor for different TV shows or movies or whatever they may be in and out of drag. And I was like, you know, this isn't going to always be here. And I'm not going to be right for everything I auditioned for. I was like, I need to create something else for my career to eventually go into. And if that means, you know, me going to clubs and performing much less then that's fine as long as I have another career. And honestly, that is something that I kind of want to do. I, you know, I want to I get married. I want to have a family. I'm 25, so I don't want to do that right now. But it's something I want to do in the future. And I think it's about setting my future up for success. So it's about what can I do now to develop my career into its next stage? Where, where can I take it? But still doing what I'm doing. Still doing what I'd love to do today. But having those other assets available. So that way, when I want to eventually say like, hey, I don't want to travel anymore. I want to have a kid or I want to do whatever's next for me in my life, if I can't financially do it, or if I can't do it because I have no other options, then I'm kind of stuck. And I want to make sure that doesn't happen. Yeah. Now, Blair, what's the biggest misconception of Blair? Um, I have to do something with me being young, because everyone thinks that I'm a teenager. And I'm young, but I'm not a teenager. So probably, people would just probably... I think, I think people just assume that I am an untalented, immature young drag queen. And I think that they think often that that's all I have to offer to the world. And I don't think that's the case. I am young. Um, I'm immature about some things because I'm so growing. But I think I have talents in many, many aspects. And it's unfair to say that a drag queen is only talented if you could do, you know, amazing lip sync performances and win drag race or you know or whatever it may be who knows if i you know win all stars we don't know but i'm just saying like i think people really kind of pigeonhole me into a box quickly by saying you're untalented if you don't fit these categories but i think i'm talented because you know i'm successful in my own right and whatever kind of makes me happy and whatever i enjoy doing i have talents and those sort of things. So I think like my biggest mis misconception about me is people think that I'm young and untalented. Well, you obviously are talented. You have 
hair by Blair. You have your Blair where you're a drag queen. You're on All Stars 5. And what? Is there anything else that's next for you? You're literally like hitting all the boxes. Like, is there anything else that you want to achieve or do? Yes. I, um, before the worldwide pandemic, I was cast in a feature film as um, a co-lead to another pretty big actress. So I'm hoping that still is able to film. If so, I'm going to be really, really excited about it. If not, I understand, but I want to continue acting on, whether it's film or television, in a way that's not always me and drag. And if it is, it's not a way to exploit drag. Because I think sometimes it's like, oh, we have to have the token drag queen on the show. And they're usually kind of like the funny best friend that people laugh at, that cracks the joke. And I want it to be like, no, like, there are human beings in life, in our families. We have gay people in our families. That's a real thing. It's a real fact. Sometimes they're drag queens, sometimes they're not. Sometimes, you know, whatever they may be, I just want to be in media more often, taken seriously. That's what's next for me. Love it. And one little fun question before we start the last question. Um, so if you could be for one day, live in another drag queen's shoes, past or present, who would you choose? Wow. Holy crap, that's like a crazy question. Especially like right now during Pride Month, there are so many amazing people that have come before me. Mm. Oh, I know, okay. I was gonna give you a really deep answer and be like really wanting to know what they're like, but I'm just gonna give you a crazy answer. I wanna know what it would be like to live in Tammy Brown's head. I just want to know what goes like into her head and comes right back. I, I, I can't even try to explain. Like, like. Oh my God. That would be hilarious. I don't need to explain. We all know. We all know what I'm thinking. Like, she's just otherworldly. She's teleporting us to Mars. Come on, Teletubby. Teleport us to Mars. She really is. Ha! I'm acting! Like, she is, she's one of my favorite drag queens. One of my favorites. Ah, that is, I didn't expect that answer. That was a great answer to that. Really? Well, I mean, I'm thinking about so many people that have really paved the way for us as gay people, but I feel like I've been kind of deep in this interview, so I kind of just wanted to give you somebody fun. <laughs> I approve. And last question for you. What is a message that you have for our fellow LGBT community, or as Britney Spears would say, at the LGBT community. At the LGBT community. Um, if you're watching this, just never stop dreaming and never stop believing. That's like my go-to motto, because you don't have to be the number one biggest name in the world, as long as you are the number one biggest name to yourself. Just keep dreaming it, keep believing it. Whatever you see for yourself can and will happen. I love it. Uh, well, thank you so much, Blair, for exposing yourself. And like I said at the first of this interview, if you want to see the OG Exposed with Blair, it's going to be on my Patreon. Give it a like, give it a thumbs up, subscribe. All of Blair's stuff is going to be in the description box. So her pre-order to her album, the clothing, and also your um, hair by Blair, that's going to be there. So if you're interested, go check it out. Blair, where can people find you on the socials? Oh, it's super hard. It's at Blair St. Clair on everything. <laughs> but just make sure you spell it right because there's no E on Blair and no E on Claire. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you so much for being here, Blair. Thanks for having me. Always good to see you. Until next time. Bye.
Ooh, show them what you're all about. You're right. 